I still remember a family member talking about the happiest time of their life, the season that they were most content in their life. They had been married for over 30 years. They were well off financially, beautiful home, always adding on to it, always doing new updates, fantastic town, detached garage, boat. The boat was like the period on the sentence right there. Everything that a human heart that loves material things could want. And when she told us the most content and happy time of her life, she says it was when she first got married, lived in a basement apartment, and they had no money, and her and her husband gave each other candy bars for Christmas. The reason I tell you that story It's because money cannot bring you contentment. Material things cannot bring you contentment. A bigger house will not make you happy. I watch thousands and thousands of people go into their corner stores every day, and they say, if I just hit the lottery, then I will be happy. If I just have this, then I will be content. Many of us are trying to find happiness in places it can't be found, and contentment in this life. And if we think we only have more money, then we'd be happy. I want to ask you today, because money makes a promise it cannot deliver. It will leave you empty. It will leave you wanting like a drug where you feel good for the moment, but it leaves you destitute and ruined. What ultimately makes you content? What ultimately makes you happy if it is not a life lived that's Godward focused and ultimate, your ultimate aim is to please God I urge you today to reconsider how you live your life and what the treasure of your life is because you will never be truly happy until you abandon everything else but Jesus you will never be happy until you stop running after riches and running after material things and chasing money and accept what you already have, the free grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means the kingdom of God is within and we have the presence of God with us always and we forsake material things this life that we might obtain much reward in the next, amen? That is the heart of Christianity, that we don't live for the now that we don't live for things on this earth because we know they're passing away. But we live to advance the kingdom of God because we understand every day there are millions of people, if they met their maker today, that would stand before God and have no substitute because they have not put their faith in Jesus. Therefore, they will be punished for their sins unless they repent and put their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you guys hear that? That's why it says pray that laborers go out because there's a huge harvest. There's many people are lost. Pray that people go out, that they give their lives, that they sacrifice, that they take up the cross every day, that they forsake the riches of this world and bring the gospel to every corner of this world so that people might be saved. But you know what gets us caught up with not doing that? Money, money, money by the pound. We love it. 
It gives us all the things that God should be giving us. It, ma- it makes us peace. When we look at that account, account with more in it, I can breathe now. If I have that account, I have hope for tomorrow. If I have that money, I can do all the things that bring me pleasure. Those are the things that the gospel of Jesus Christ give you. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and many go astray because of it. So today I urge you, I urge you, as the scriptures say, to reconsider and forsake the love of money today. Because in doing so, you will find true contentment in Christ. Let's turn to 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10. It says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving, an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now there is a great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through the craving, this craving, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So there's three things I want us to learn today. I want us to learn to be content by casting down the false gospel called the prosperity gospel because that's what the text starts with. I want us to learn to be content by having our needs met. And I want us to learn to be content by pursuing godliness because that's what's truly going to make you happy. You know, in, uh, in Western civilization, as Americans... We are among the richest people on earth. Even our poor in relation to the rest of the globe. And I'll preach on learning to be content when you're rich next week. Because it's not sinful to be rich. It's sinful to be rich and not use it for the kingdom of God and the glory of God. Now, we're learning how to be content when we're poor today. Learn how to be content when we're rich next week. But in American society... If you make over $25,000, you are in the 5% richest people in the world. Just to give you some relation. Now, but we live where we live. So some of us are poor in relation to other Americans. And I, I empathize with you today. I understand it's hard to make it from day to day. And so I want to speak to those who are struggling, living week by week, living check by check. And encourage you that God's going to meet all your needs. But because we're the richest country on earth, you know what preachers who love money have done? They contributed and they capitalized on our richness by creating a thing called the prosperity gospel. Where they take advantage of people and teach you that 
to be rich is to be godly. That if you're godly enough, you'll be rich enough. That godly and poor don't go, which is totally anti-gospel and totally against the early church. The church was built on poor people. The church was built on the marginalized. But God had all their hearts, so it changed the world forever. This false prosperity gospel has poisoned the true gospel. So people say if you're a strong Christian, you should be rich. And that happiness is tied up in being rich. The internet is full of them. I can't watch it too much because I go crazy. Full of it. I cannot listen to 590 if I'm honest with you. There's like one for 25 is decent. The rest of them, all I hear is the translation like give me a loop. Because prosperity is tied to me and my anointing. I'm preaching truth right here because you've heard it. They've changed the gospel of Jesus Christ that you live for things on this earth instead of forsake them. That if you're godly, you will just keep building up treasure on earth. And Jesus says, totally different. We think this is something new. Do you guys think this is new? No. It was happening at the inception of the church. Because these guys got in and they saw an advantage. They could take advantage of people and say, if you do this, if you do that, if you sow seed into my ministry, then you will get rich. That's what the Pharisees did, right? They got rich. They sat in the front. They devoured widows. You looked at their homes. They were the biggest homes. Pastors have loved money and they have taught us to love money to the point where the people of God are unrecognizable when it comes to the generosity of the early church. We drop a dollar in the offering plate and we go home and email somebody like we're changing the world. I'll never forget, there was, a, there was this worship leader I loved when I first got saved. He just wrote those songs and they were great. And I said, this guy's a great worship leader. And he was coming to a local place. I'm not going to tell you the city just because you might guess the church. But it was local. So I went to the church. This guy was leading worship. Good looking guy. Suit was tight. Good preacher. Charismatic. Could sing the roof off. Windows would blow out. And he looked at everyone. He said, give and it will come back to you. And he opened up his pocket and did the stanky leg. I am not making this stuff up. And he's doing the stinky leg. i got to be careful up here. He's doing the stinky leg. And people, this is legit. I have witnesses. I will not lie to you. They are walking up from the congregation and dropping checks and cash in his pocket. Because they think this man, and they're falling prey to this man, that he is saying the gospel is, you sow into my pocket. You will flourish with earthly riches. That is a gospel cannot find no root in the kingdom of God or in the scriptures. It's an absolute false lie that even Timothy was dealing with. And the first step to being content is you identify anyone that attaches riches to the gospel is teaching you something false.
unfortunately, I've been around for a long time pastoring now. I'm only 38, but I've been pastoring for 17 years, whether it's youth pastor or associate pastor or lead pastor. Um, and over and over again, do you know why people make the biggest changes in their life? Whether it's to move, whether it's to totally pick up their life and put it in another place, whether it's to be a part of the church community, you know what the biggest motivator always is? I hear over and over again, money. It just costs too much. If I move to this remote part of Alaska, there's less real estate tax. It's not worth giving my life to build a church, man. It's easier out there. Shannon, I wasn't talking about you a lot. I know you want to go to Alaska. It's not because of the real estate tax. But over and over, I sit there, and I don't hear there's a deep burning and God's calling me. I don't hear that. It's like, oh, I'll find a nice church out there maybe. It's like I just, I'm sick of my money going to waste. I can get a better job. I don't have to pay this for that. I don't have to. And I'm like, do you hear what's motivating this biggest life-changing decision of your life? It's all money. Money is a huge motivator that makes people discontent constantly. I constantly see people making decisions that are sinful because they say, but the money, but the money. And I want to ask you, is money a bigger motivator for you than laying down your life to advance the gospel? Do you cheer, cheer bigger for a real estate deal than for the resurrection of Jesus? When your stocks rise... Is that a happier, more content day than that Jesus died for your sins? Is a raise at work what you want more than ever than be the greatest servant in the household and the mission of God? Is money a bigger motivator than you? Because Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. What I've called you to do, be on the mission of God with the people of God to make disciples. But you know what I see people sacrificing the most for? Money. And they hate it, but they'll sacrifice for it. I hate this job. I get up every day. I'll do it because I need money. I hate school. School's the worst thing I ever had, but I will get my master's because it's more money. My life is miserable, but one day I will have money. Right? I'm preaching truth right now. We need to stop that. What makes us get out of bed every day needs to be to seek the kingdom of God in his advancement, that lost souls are restored to Jesus Christ in the name of God, God is glorified. And you can't love God in money. That's why Jesus said, one's gonna be your master. Hear me right now, Restoration Road. Something's gonna master you. Whether people know it or not, something masters you. You're a slave to it. We're supposed to be slaves to God, servants to God, slaves to the mission. But what happens is we become slaves to money. We become slaves to this. And you look back on your life and there's much regret. Because you've been given everything if you had Jesus. You've been given gifts, talents, love, and been awakened to the truth of the gospel. And you should be given your energy every day, motivated by the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what's going to make you happy. And Paul gives you two ways to look at these preachers. Because everyone looks, well, there's the big thing about the prosperity gospel, it's absolutely false. But you know what it's teaching you if you don't have a lot of money? Know what the prosperity gospel is teaching you? It's teaching you to be discontent. If you're poor, be discontent. If you've got no money, you shouldn't be happy. 
If you don't have land in Virginia, why are you smiling? It's teaching you to be discontent. It's saying you shouldn't be content where you are. When Paul says, I've learned to have much, I've learned to have little. I've learned in every season of life what God gives me and provides, I'm going to be content. Contentment is not around the corner. Contentment is not after I finish this. Contentment is not when I get this in my bank account. Contentment is now in Jesus Christ. That's happiness. I almost felt the clap break out, but I know who we are as a church. So Paul gives two things where you can look at these false teachers. Do their words agree with Jesus in the scripture? Look at a teacher, and if he's trying to teach you a gospel and saying riches are attached to it or saying anything, say, do these words agree with the words of Jesus? Let me give you just an example. I've heard this from the pulpit. If you don't have a large financial inheritance to give your children when you die, then you are an unrighteous, unrighteous man that doesn't understand how God wants you to live and handle money. He doesn't want you to be poor. If you don't have a large inheritance to give your children financially, then you're an unrighteous man. You see the guilt trip on there? They get you to give more, and they get a bigger house. Do you see that, the, how deceitful it is? And they try to take things out of context? The biggest spiritual inheritance you give any child, I don't care if you have zero in the bank, is the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell them to live every day for the glory of it. That's spiritual inheritance. Live for that. You're giving your children everything. So let me... That, that prosperity preacher, I've heard at least 50 of them preach that. So I ask myself the question the scripture says, does that line up with the words of Jesus? Let's read. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and with these break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Don't keep building financial wealth here on earth. Use it for the kingdom of God. Use it for eternal rewards. I've seen so many people waste their life with so much money in the bank when they die and they can't take it with them. They can't take it with them. It doesn't bring happiness. Jesus' words say, no, that prosperity gospel is not going to make me content. I'm content now if I got Cheez-Its and a cup of noodles at home. A cup of noodles is good. Secondly, it says, does it accord with godliness? Another thing a prosperity preacher will say, you need to be money-minded, fervently pursuing riches, because in doing so, you are showing people through your financial prosperity that you are royal child of God, and royal children of God have huge bank accounts. You've heard that? Show off your wealth because you're showing off the gospel. What did Jesus say about that? He said, don't you dare seek money first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and he will provide for all your needs, food, shelter, and clothing. The best investment in your life is to forsake money as your number one goal and seek God first, and you will see everything provided for over and over again. Jesus never said be money-minded first. He said be kingdom-minded first, and I will provide for every one of your needs. And this is what I want to go to in the second point. We need to learn to be content with having our needs met. I got to talk with a person in this church, and it was a wonderful conversation a few weeks ago. And I won't say your name, so don't get stressed out once you know it's a story about you. <laughs> We're just talking about how the day-to-day and, and paying bills and having families and all the costs that comes, whether it's sports programs or it's the car broke down or it's the more whatever it is. 
we were talking about just sometimes the angst that can come with that. And by the grace of God, as we got to the end of the conversation, we both said to each other, actually, we showed what was in our bank account, and there was nothing to rejoice about. And we said, know what's amazing, though? There's something in there. And God has met every one of my needs. Is there one person that can say that God didn't meet your needs at any moment in your life? You know what? There's a church full of people where every moment you had food, every moment you had shelter, unless you were on a sin run and God was disciplining you, then he threw you back in a shelter. You had clothing. God always miraculously takes care of his people. The scriptures say, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread or forsaken. Because God promises that he will take care of your needs if you seek his kingdom first. You know what happens to a lot of us? We start getting nervous about money, and we start saying, oh, no. And we start going towards money, and we find ourselves at a dead end and say, oh, man, you know what? I've got to have faith in this situation, but I'm going to keep seeking God and watch God provide for me. We get intimidated by life situations, and it takes, out of, takes us out of contentment and joy. What does Paul say? With food and clothing, I will be content. That clothing there in the Hebrew can also mean shelter. So I want to ask you this question. Do you need more than your basic needs met to be happy? Do you need more than your basic needs met to be happy? Because if so, you'll be a very unhappy man. I've never met someone who loves money that is content. Someone's always beat them out for money. Something always costs too much. Cost of living is always going up. It's the conversation. How are you doing? Cost of living going up. What happens? Stocks down. How are you? Too much money, man. Every conversation, they are not happy. When your affection is for money, I've talked to these people. I have not found one when you have that unhealthy affection for money. Because when something is your God, it becomes your obsession. And do not be fooled, friends. Many people's God is money. It's how they live. That's how they move. It's how they have being. It's what they lay down for. It's what they praise. It's what brings them happiness for the moment. But let me give you a key, a key right here. Because what you want to get to is you want to get to a place where you are content with having your needs met. Because if you have that, and please listen to this. Man, Sari's talking in the middle of the message. No material loss can take away from your contentment when you only require your basic needs met because God promises to provide for your basic needs every moment of your life. Did you guys hear that? I want to read that again. No material loss can take away from your contentment when you only require that your basic needs are met because God promises to provide for your basic needs every moment of your life. It's when you require more of God that you'll be content. But did you hear the beautiful promise in that? If you seek God first, if you seek him first and you honor him with everything, your needs will always be met. You can take that to the heavenly bank. Do you guys hear me? And every one of us can attest to that. 
It's when we get out of that. I need more. The house needs to be bigger. The car needs to be more souped up. The town needs to be better. This needs to be that. This needs to be that. Then you're at home just like, man, life has got me restless. But when you look around and say, man, God has met my needs every day in my life. Now, that love of money is the root of all evil. It's the root of all evil because it takes you away from what you should ultimately be pursuing, and that's God. It is an evil thing to live your life for something that is passing away. What we really need to learn to be content with is pursuing godliness. So here's the the key I want you to really listen to. Because you're looking, every person's looking for what is ultimately going to make them happy. We all want contentment. We all don't want to be restless. We don't want to be anxious anymore. We don't want to be afraid anymore. We don't want to be depressed anymore. Let me tell you what's going to bring you contentment from the scriptures. Pursuing godliness. Let me unpack that for you. Godliness is living a life with a Godward focus that your ultimate aim is to please God. That is going to take you through every season of your life. Because you're going to have seasons where you have money in the bank, you don't have money in the bank, the cars breaks down, you have a new car, the house is good, you've got to sell it and get a townhouse. There's different seasons. And if you go up and down according to money, you're not going to be a happy person. But you can't be shaken when your contentment is in God and you live to please him alone. When you look at the stories of people in the Bible, you see God miraculously providing for them. How about Elijah? He gets in the showdown with the power of a God, with, with the evil kingdom. God shows himself mighty. He comes back. He has no food. God causes birds to come down and bring him grub. If you're always trying to provide for yourself, you never enjoy and reap the benefits of seeing God supernaturally providing for you in the most destitute moments of your life. I'm talking it's 11.59, 12 o'clock, you'll be destitute. Someone will knock a door like, here's a check, moving on. If you want to provide for yourself, you'll be discontent. If you live your life by faith, you will see wonders when it comes to God providing for each and every moment of your life. That's why it says godliness is a great gain when it comes to contentment. When every moment, every breath, every sacrifice, every decision is aimed at knowing and pleasing God, you will be happy. There's a story of a man that not many people talk about in the Bible. The story of Enoch. Have you heard the story of Enoch? He only has a few verses in the Bible. But when you go to Genesis 5.24, what it says about Enoch, it says he walked with God. God took him and he was no more. Now, if there was only the Old Testament, I'd say, what happened to this brother? But then you go to Hebrews 11.5, and it says that God actually took him because he pleased him so much. Could you imagine that? He walked with God so closely. He talked with God so closely. Every sacrifice, every decision, how he raised his family, how he looked at life was aimed at pleasing God. And he, God said, this guy's pleasing me so much, I'm taking him up here. Wow. He must have been the happiest per- person on planet Earth. You know what I mean? I don't know what his family was thinking. They still think he ran away. <laughs> But imagine that. That's godliness right there. That's godliness right there. And you get a little sight into godliness in the next verse where it says, I just want to read it to you guys. Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You cannot live a life that's godly because godliness equals faith and godliness plus faith equals pleasing God. And to live by faith, you can't live for things that are passing away. So you're, what's the, our Father, every day we pray. Give us our daily bread. Are you guys praying for 30 years down the road? Lord, give me the best 401k in 30 years. No. Provide for me today. Because I don't know if I have tomorrow. And I don't know who needs the gospel. And I don't know who won't hear the gospel because I'm chasing money that's passing away today. Give me my daily bread so I can serve you with every breath I have and truly be happy. See, God's offering happiness to us. But we're not sure if it's going to make you happy. But I'm telling you, 100% in the heavenly bank, if you live to please God, you will be content if you forsake riches and live for the kingdom of God. And you'll see every need provide for. Because God loves, it pleases God to provide for his family. It pleases him. He loves it. You know, I got my wife, you know, we're not big posters on Facebook. You know the posts. You get a picture from 1987. We've always loved each other. We're still loving each other. You're the best. And you're just love notes from room to room. That's an awesome thing. That's not me and Natalie. We don't do those posts. Natalie doesn't post, period. And so I never get to, like, put up my wife and everything she does and her heart and how she's content and all those things because that's just not how we roll. Maybe one day in the future you'll see it if God moves me in that direction. Please like it. But Natalie, and I'm giving this, this is a side note for anyone looking for a woman to marry. Do not marry a woman who is high maintenance. You guys hear me? Do not marry a woman who is high maintenance. You will be miserable. And God commands you got to stay with her, so you got to roll with it and show her grace. So I'm going to love you through it, but it's going to be tough. <laughs> marry a woman who is low maintenance. Natalie, the dishwasher has been broken for a decade. We have to put the towel under it every time we wash something. One time, Jovec showed up with a mop at three because everything was getting flooded. The fridge has been broke for a decade. The meat drawer is just like you just people are in the meat drawer just slamming it, just trying to get the thing shut, and then I got to come over and fix it and throw it in and knee it. Like the meat drawer does not work. The stove's been broken. I don't know exactly how it's broke, but I know it's broke. It shot up a a fire the other day and we just moved on and kept cooking. <laughs> Natalie never complains. She never says, we need a bigger house. She never says, get me a dishwasher. She never says, I'm not happy unless you're going to bring that cake home. She never says those things to me so I can be a content man. Now what happened is we bought a car in 2007, a Toyota Camry. And we said, we're driving this thing into the ground because that's what we do around here. So we've drove this thing, and here we are 10 years later. But it got to the point with the car where it went from possibly wanting a car to a needing a car. You know, it was just costing so much money. It was rusting over. It, it, the steering wheel didn't turn all the way, and the, the pump would cost another 800000 the, the car might be worth 1500 And so I said, when it comes to safety in your family, you're like, we're going to have to spend some money here because you don't play around with safety. It became a need. If your family can't turn the wheel right, you better spend some money. So Natalie and I went to a car to look at a car. 
a Kia Sorento 2014. To me, it's like a Lamborghini. We walked in, we sat down, and I didn't tell her. I said, well, I think in my heart, I said, we're pulling the trigger if this is right. But I didn't tell her. So finally, the guy, you know how the car salesmen are. They are, I don't know if we can do it. Then you're like, well, we can't do it. They come back, I think we can pull it off. <laughs> so once they, got within, <laughs> once they got within what we could afford, I looked at Natalie and said, we're going for this. The joy that came over her, because now I'm the primary breadwinner. She works a couple of days, but I'm the primary breadwinner. And, and so making the decision to buy that car, I can't tell you how pleased I was that I got to provide for her need. I have asked her 25 times, how's that car? How's it feel? How's the road? How's it drive? You know, everything. I just, it pleases me because I see the joy on her face. It's got that you started from the house. I'm like, you like that? That starts from the house? Like, I'm just, everything. I want to hear how I provided for her need. And it brings me so much joy. Now, I take that and put that in God's realm. Put that in the heavenly realm. Your heavenly father, when you feel like, Lord, I really need this. And it's a real need. And then you see him just provide that need supernaturally. Do you know how much that pleases him and how godly that is? You know how godly it is to trust God to provide for your needs every single day? Do you know how faithless it is? And unpleasing to God when we run around with chickens with our heads cut off like God's not going to provide for us tomorrow? That's all lies. You're wasting your time if you think God's not going to provide for you. That's a waste of time. What are you doing? Just stressed? Just stressed, man. Why? Stressed. (laughs) I don't know if he's going to do it again. Do what? Provide for you. Did you look at the track record? Every single day for your whole life he's provided for you and you're scared about tomorrow? When Jesus says, don't let the worries of tomorrow take away the joy of today. Trust me. Look at the birds in the sky. I take care of them. Look at the trees and the flowers and the lilies of the field. They're dressed beautifully. How much more will I dress you and take care of you and shelter you and feed you? Amen? That's the truth of the gospel. Do not fear Restoration Road. We've been called into the gospel where every need is provided and you can live in that contentment as you pursue godliness. You know what you need to pursue today and when you wake up tomorrow? Godliness, not money. You pursue God and he will provide for your needs and you will advance the kingdom and when you're in heaven, you will have rewards like you could never even imagine. The biggest rewards being the people who come up to you and say, because you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me, I gave my life to Jesus, lived my life for the truth and are here in eternity with God forever, amen? What else could be even compared to the value of that? What could come close? What car comes close to the soul of a man or a woman made in the image of God? What house is really going to matter when it comes to your loved ones who need you to lay down their life to serve them so they see Jesus? What could even come close? Nothing. I urge you today, live and pursue godliness, receive contentment, and watch the kingdom of God advance. Let's pray.